Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. G'day, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. My name's Aaron, and today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Now, if you've listened to this show before, you might have noticed that a little something different about me. It's probably that I'm not actually Australian. (laughs) And that's exactly what imposter syndrome feels like. You are pretending to be something you're not. So if you are somebody who feels like a fraud, like I just did there for the first opening of the show, even if you've been successful at something, which I think I do a pretty mean Australian accent, if you feel like a fraud, or if you're somebody who feels like nothing you do is good enough, Maybe you're somebody who's constantly comparing yourself to other people, or there's a couple of things like some people are perfectionists and they just have to have everything just right. Maybe even they get in their own way. Or you're somebody who's on the opposite end of the spectrum, somebody who's a complete procrastinator and you kind of bring these things on yourself. You avoid doing things. Or if you're somebody who can ignore, you recognize that you ignore your own successes and downplay your own abilities, while probably also thinking other people are so much better than you, if that's you, then you might have imposter syndrome and you need to see a doctor. No, just kidding. You need to listen to this episode. You're going to learn in this episode how you currently view yourself so unrealistically and how you can actually change it so that you can see yourself much more objectively how you can deal with your procrastination and perfectionism, how to feel less anxious and insecure about your performance, and maybe if I can sneak it in there, maybe how you can practice doing a mean Australian accent. So before I take this too far, Nathan, would you uh, introduce us to your imposter syndrome? Hello, Aaron. How's it going today? Um, Just wanted to actually ask you something that's totally important. So if you were in Australia faking your accent, walking around all nice and lovely, what would be the difference between that and imposter syndrome, since you're American? I think I would definitely not do it. (laughs) I think the people would probably be able to tell that I'm an imposter. Uh, Maybe they'd say, hey, what part of this, the country are you from? And I'd just pick somewhere, like, far away. (laughs) Oh, I've never been there. Like, me either, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was just thinking about that, because I thought, you know... If you actually were an imposter, right? You're you're there, like <laughs> like real. That syndrome is you are an imposter, <laughs> right? People are like, bro, say real, man. You're not from here. And you're like, I know. <laughs> you know, like, that's actually being an imposter. But what we're talking about is when it's not the same, right? Like you actually can potentially do this thing or whatever it is. But you believe that you can't, and so you're not. <laughs> you're, like, cutting it off. Or you've actually went ahead and trusted that maybe you can pull it off, little buddy, and you get in there, and you're feeling the entire time like people are looking right through you. They can see, like, you know, my joke about Aaron being there, like, waiting for somebody to be like, 
huh, well, you don't really sound like anybody here at all, <laughs> you know, or whatever. That's why I limit those accents to, like, the drive through windows at Starbucks. Oh, you use us and pretend I'm from somewhere else. And most of the time it'll go over because it's such a brief interaction. Nobody's going to be like, wait a minute. But what I used to do but can't because, you know, current culture, like, I feel, like, too guilty about it is do something that's totally not going to look like me. When I, when I come through the, the line, I go like, um, yeah, man, I would like to have uh, four Cheetos and uh, maybe like a Starbucks thing. Sir, you're at Starbucks? Oh, so no Cheetos. Okay, so maybe I have like a, um, I don't know, like a hot chocolate or something. And I get out there and they're like, they look at me and then I say, oh yeah, thanks. And they're like, they're looking at me so confused. Like that's intentional though. I've actually done that a few times. So anyway, let's continue with this episode. Tell us some more, Nathan, about what is imposter syndrome. You're kind of describing it in the last episode on confidence to defeat anxiety. We're talking about kind of this extension of anxiety being kind of something maybe in in a more professional sense. So I think a lot of people have imposter syndrome in a more professional sense, like with their jobs or whatever. So can you break it down a little bit for us? You know, I think at the end of the day, it's this cluster of beliefs that a person has about something that, you know, for example, um, so a few years ago, and actually a few episodes ago, a lot of episodes ago at this point, I was describing something that happened to me. It's a joke, but it is what we're talking about, imposter syndrome where I was working with this person, I don't remember what they said, but I was like thinking, wow, they need a therapist, you know? And I'm like, oh wait, that's you. And they'll see that you can't help them at all. Because in that moment, I had got sucked in to a set of beliefs that this situation, this problem that this person was having was mine to fix. And it's not. So realizing in that moment, like, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. This is not real. They're going to find out that I'm, like, not actually a counselor. Like, I just talk to people or something, you know, even though, like, I have these sheets on the wall that say that I am that other people believe, which is, you know, what you do inside your mind um, and probably what you hear from us therapists of, like, well, wait a minute, you have a skill set that you use right now. Still in that moment, I was freaking out, but I had to remember that, well, it's not my problem. So my skill set wasn't that wasn't for that. And just telling the person something like, yeah, man, that is that seems impossible. Like, I, I got to be honest with you, that can be validating oftentimes enough for a person to go, wow, so this is hard. Yeah, this really is hard. And at least I think it is, you know, from where I'm standing and they sit there and go, so then maybe I don't, maybe they shift the way that they do it or maybe they shift whatever. My point is, is that When I'm staying in my lane, it's like staying in your lane. Sometimes what happens with this imposter idea is it's this set of beliefs that you place upon what you believe should be happening. And it's not realistic because it's not even really what's going on. And you're not even really using your own capabilities or being you in that moment. And so the fear-based place is this idea that like, oh, I don't have this capability. I don't have whatever this is, so I can't do it. And there, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that side of it. As you're describing that, I think I want to point out that there's a a, like a directional focus problem that's going on here when we have imposter syndrome is that oftentimes we're looking outward and we're judging our ability or our competency based on that outward stuff. Like I'm looking at other people and I'm saying, oh, they're so successful or they seem like they know what they're doing or they're looking at me and expecting something of me. And so I'm kind of projecting a lot of my own fears and expectations outward. 
onto other people and saying, oh, they are this way, but then I'm misjudging and mischaracterizing myself and saying, oh, I'm not that way, and I'm forgetting who I really am and what my abilities really are. And so I'm really judging myself based on what I'm seeing that's not even actually real. It's this whole like mental fantasy, this distortion that's going on that gets me out of like what you're describing is like, wait a minute, if I know myself and I can put myself in that situation as a person, that is really hard. And maybe that's like the best answer to give because I don't know a fix either. And maybe we can take a step together to look at that. But just being yourself and saying like, wow, that is really hard is like blowing all of those expectations of I'm supposed to solve this or I'm supposed to say the right answer. I'm supposed to give this presentation so elegantly or whatever. Sometimes just being like, yeah, I'm not really sure is actually okay. But when you have imposter syndrome, it doesn't because you have these expectations of yourself. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the ways this is showing itself right now in our current environment is with jobs. Um, like you were just talking a moment ago, Aaron, about the professional nature of how this works. The difference in what I'm saying, kind of, is that people are looking for jobs right now. They're looking for, you know, things. And they're looking not, you know, to maybe move around, you know. And I've worked with some clients that are doing that. And, and what they're worried about is, well, that, that job's not for me. I can't do it. And I'm with this one person I have in my mind, I'm like, um, what's your skill set? And they tell me. And I'm like, what are they asking for on the job? And they tell me. And it's like, there's like 75% correlation. And... I'm like, well, I don't understand the problem because it sounds, it looks like what they are asking for is more than, is like, is the majority of what you've already done. Well, no, but in this situation, it's blah, blah, blah. And, and whatever they say after that, it's like, they've got this belief about this job that they are looking at that probably is unrealistic at the end of the day, because the reason why I know that and I'm not even applying is because circle back to that correlation. It's the same stuff. It's going to be done, though, probably in a different system, in a different way. And there's some anxiety about, well, I don't know how to do it, the same, that same skill set in a different system. Okay, well, that doesn't change things for me on the outside as I observe what you're telling me. But on your inside, you've decided that you can't do it. And like it's, you're, you are an imposter if you were to try. Yeah, it, let me bring this a little bit closer to home um, as an extension to that. Let's talk about this podcast. Um, a couple of years ago, we were talking, throwing around the idea of starting a podcast, and it seemed like it was fun and exciting. But as you actually get into it, we're like, well, wait a minute. Like, we're not podcasters, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're right. We're not yet. <laughs> but, like, who are we? I remember saying as we're thinking about starting a podcast, like, well, like, what do we have to say? Um, and who are we as authorities or as, you know, whatever, whatever these expectations, these views of whatever a podcaster is, that's not us. And so it's just like, it, I remember thinking like it was, had to be something that was not me. But in reality, as we started taking these steps to doing it, it was like, oh, well, we just didn't know how to start a podcast, how to run it, how to record all that kind of stuff. But those are little things that we learned. And essentially, we're doing what we always do. We're just talking. We're a couple of guys <laughs> talking about the things that we know, and we're learning together also. We don't have all the answers. We have most of them, but not all. <laughs> just kidding. We, I guess I should say we do have all the answers. They may be wrong <laughs> sometimes, but we do have answers. You got questions, write us. We'll give you the answers. But we know that we can figure things out. We know that we know a lot of things and we just want to share what we do know. And we want to share the things that we don't know. 
we'll investigate something, we'll research something, and that's what we do all day long with people. Like your client that was like, how do I solve this problem? I've been in that situation so many times, I'm like, I don't really know, but can we learn together? And that's okay, that sort of humility doesn't mean I'm an imposter, it just means that I know my limits and my abilities, I'm willing to be honest and realistic about that, but it also means that I know what I am capable of. And that's what I think people with imposter syndrome often forget is like who you are, the successes that you already have done, and the capabilities that you currently do have. Yeah, as you were talking about the podcasting, one of my false beliefs, um, which is definitely false, is that podcasters have a million listeners. You know, like, so I was like, we can't get in my mind, well, we're not going to have all these people like doing that. And now, since we have three, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Thank but, you to our children for listening. <laughs> just kidding. They're not listening. Yeah, they're not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they, that's gross. You're on there talking. I listen to you talk all the time. <laughs> I don't need to hear more of that. Yeah. You mean I can actually not listen? <laughs> uh, they do that. No, but it's this belief system I had about how podcasts work what they are and I'm like oh what are we going to say like what what why would anybody listen to anything that we're talking about and you were like people do that all day <laughs> and I'm like oh uh, yeah that's kind of a, that's kind of a good point but then it became like you know we had to develop our focus and that kind of thing but also I think in sharing that we're trying to expose some of our own false beliefs about it right so we had some beliefs of thinking like oh we can't do it and this is why I mean we are doing it now um, and that doesn't necessarily satisfy, make it to where we can look back and go, wow, we were wrong. We, we are really incredible about, it's not about that. It's about realizing like, it's different than what we thought, you know, and it changes actually how I look at other podcasters too. I look and like go, oh, okay. They're just normal people and they just have something to say before. I think I for lack of a better way to say it, like deified them and that kind of thing, put them on some high level. And I still do that with people that have like a hundred thousand listens per month, you know, or whatever. I think like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, I think to be honest with you though, if that ever happens, that's going to be terrifying. Like, I mean, I think of like, wow, everybody hears my brain. That's weird. But that's actually a really good example because as you're saying that, that's like a little bit more of the imposter syndrome coming out, which is like, because I, I would feel the same way. Like if somebody, um, you know, wanted to pay us a million dollars for, you know, for a sponsorship or something, I'd be like, wow, like that's a lot of pressure. But if you think about it, like the steps to get from here to there are many. And so we're not there yet. You know, to get to 100,000 listeners, well, like, what does that take? It goes from three listeners to 300 listeners to 3,000 to 30,000 to maybe your 100,000. And every little step as that's growing takes time and you learn something, you develop something, and you kind of like stretch into that role. You're always kind of stretching beyond where you're at, but you're also getting more comfortable with where you are right now. And I want to take that kind of as an opportunity to talk about these couple of things I introduced the podcast episode with, which is perfectionism and procrastination. Because one thing that imposter syndrome can do for a lot of people is cause you to just get stuck, whether that's in fear or insecurity or just bogged down with everything needs to be just right. When I talk about perfectionism with imposter syndrome, it's looking at, okay, and I remember going through this, I, and I remember actually being at um, Joe Sanox, Practice of the Practice, Killing at Camp a couple of years ago. He was promoting podcasting. It was his first conference, and so he was promoting podcasting, and he was saying, 
Don't get stuck in perfectionism. If you have an idea that's good enough, just start doing it. And that blew my mind because I was like, wait a minute. I've been limiting myself by saying I need to have all of the pieces worked out. I need to have everything known and determined. What are all the steps? Who are all the people? Like where where all literally all of the hundred thousand listeners going to come from? <laughs> and <laughs> if you think about it, like great, we'll release in like 2050. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, like it'll just never happen. But when he said that, I remember thinking. Yeah, actually, I know that what I can do, there is kind of a line of good enough. And that's scary for me because I know that I've got enough of those things done or known that I can produce something. I just don't know what that's going to produce. And that's where I had to like take the risk. That's where I think a lot of perfectionists can get stuck because in the preparing or the planning, the putting together of whatever it is, you have like hone everything. I remember being a supervisor years ago, early on when I was like 28 years old and leading a staff meeting and I was writing like my own notes that I was going to hand out to the staff for like our agenda. It was very informal, right? And I remember laboring over like the bullet points, like one was bullets, one was dashes. And I was like, oh no, those are inconsistent. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) I remember thinking, oh no, people are going to think I don't know what I'm doing because there are dashes up here and bullets down there. And I was laboring over it and I was like, I don't have time for this. And then the thought dawned on me, this doesn't even matter. It really doesn't matter. If somebody thinks that, then they might just think like, oh, those are different. And then they would move on because that really has no bearing on my actual performance or the actual content of our meeting. And I remember, I remember that because it impacted me of like, wait, what else am I laboring over way too much that I could probably stop at like 80% and it's going to be not, and when I say good enough, I don't just mean like it's, uh, it's okay, but I just mean like it's good. It's good enough for, for people to, to encounter and interact with. Right. And maybe another word that can be from a good is, is complete. It's complete enough. You've got enough of the idea out there. Um, that that's going to get communicated and you can test those things out um with your friends just say like you know i'm having a thought it's not all the way complete but i wonder about xyz when, when they look at you like uh what do you mean it's not all the way complete <laughs> like what else are you going to say if it's well you've got sucked into your own head by the way this is a freebie you may be shocked by this but um i have never had the cognitive dissonance fancy word around bullet points and dashes <laughs> i've never went oh no <laughs> like but that's just because we're different it's terrifying <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> yeah because you're like you have all kinds of good reasons to be insecure when i see your outline <laughs> and i'm like i feel insecure you look at the outline and go like well i see why <laughs> also if you have capital a's and then lowercase a's that's also terrifying they need to be consistent <laughs> Yeah, so everybody deals with trying to understand their own competency and the belief system that we have around it. And we have this fancy thing of an imposter syndrome to kind of explain when there's a disparity there, that there's a problem in some way that is going on. The reality is, is that if like that 75% thing that I was talking about earlier with with a skill set, like transfer over is like looking at that with that with that client I have in my mind, that's good enough. I mean, that means you really only need to learn 25% of things and just the way that they do the other 75% that, that you already know. 
Um, and so really it's like, and then, you know, I'm just thinking of this person. The next thing they would tell me would, would be like, well, I don't know if I really even want to be in this entire job field again. Like, okay. So there's another piece that's in there, right? Like not, not only like maybe there's a skill set thing, but there, you're also looking at an opportunity to grow in an entirely new way that you're really terrified about. But now you're having to make a decision because you've already made the decision to change a job. But if you're going to do it, then you might, then probably this is the time you want to change your entire field. Yeah. And that's, that's really well said because essentially what you're saying is areas of growth or change are inherently by nature going to bring out some feelings of imposter syndrome. You're doing something maybe that is a stretch for you or something that's a little bit outside your area of expertise or area of comfort, but you're capable of doing this. It's not like, well, you know, I can talk in an office one-on-one with people, so I'm going to start a TV show and I'm going to become the next (laughs) Oprah. Well, (laughs) hey, 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 why are you laughing Why are you laughing about that? It's not that funny. Um, It's very serious, right? Like, I should be able to start a TV show because I can do this, so therefore I can do that. Um, No, that's not realistic. But most of the time, again, that's not what people are doing. You're doing something, and if you are, you know, run this by your friends so that they can safely laugh at you and, like, talk you down from that ledge. But in reality, you're doing something that you already have done. Like, if I... I'm talking to people, you know, one-on-one in a room, I could pro- probably talk to a microphone as well. Um, Nathan and I just decided we needed each other. We needed somebody on the other side of it to be able to interact with. And also we have a good friendship and we're able to kind of banter back and forth a bit too. That adds kind of a, you know, a fun value to the show. So that's the step that I mean, that doing this new podcasting thing is a little bit outside of what we already do, but by very nature, it's different. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm going to have to learn some of those things, and that doesn't mean that I'm not skilled or competent. It just means that I'm not skilled or competent yet in the areas that I need to feel comfortable in, but I am skilled and competent. So I would challenge you, okay? So we talked about before in the last episode, confidence and reduction of anxiety, that kind of thing, but, and really accepting your limits, okay? So to this person that's like 75%, their skills transfer. When they're in an interview, what I'm going to challenge them to do is to, when they say, when they say like, so tell me about like, how many words can you type or whatever, like I'm trying to think of something that would be lower level here. I'm going to want them to tell them 75 because they know that. Like, you're not going to want to inflate it. You're not going to want to like say less like, oh, I'm not very good at typing. Like, well, 75 words is 75 words. That's for the other person. You know, then you saw the skill set was they wanted you to type at least 60 and they wanted 100, right? So you're looking at that like, well, I don't type 100, so I can't have that job. Well, no, you're just going to say you type 75. They can make their decision. They're the employer. They're the ones that they're deciding whether or not this is something that fits because they're also thinking through a bit about what their impression is of you. Like, what does it seem like? Are, are you honest with yourself? You know, like, are you underselling yourself? Does it look like they can, for lack of a better way to say it, mold you into the position? Can you learn it? Let them make those decisions. That's not for, that's not your decision. Your decision is, am I interested? And does it look roughly like I can do it? And, and just accepting the own limitations. Like if you can do something, you need to accept that. Yeah, and it's also accepting who you are and presenting who you are just quite honestly uh, to the other 
the other person or the audience or whatever you're doing, you know, it, and that kind of leads us into this other piece. And I want to get back to procrastination in a second here. That's the other side of the coin with perfectionism. But we're, while we're talking about comparing ourselves to other people, um, this idea of, you know, wanting to inflate yourself or be something that you're not, I think a lot of times what we're doing is we're saying, I need to be this thing in order to be good enough. And so presenting myself as something else is being dishonest in a way. And employers are going to be able to see that. You know, if we started out the show trying to be something that we were not, like you heard, um, maybe you think <laughs> I should start an Australian show, Australian <laughs> version of it, and re-record <laughs> for all my Aussie buddies, um, all you Kiwis down under. Um, maybe we should do that. Send us your feedback. Maybe we'll get a spike in li- listeners <laughs> from down under. But, oh, my. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> please don't do that. I don't even know what I was talking about anymore. Um, but no, if, if you're being authentic, then people are going to notice. And that's what people want. A lot of times we think going into this new thing, giving a presentation or having a meeting or starting a new job, we think that, oh, look at those other people. I need to be like that as opposed to looking at myself and saying, I already am this. I am who I am. And I'm in this job for a reason. I was invited to this meeting for this reason. This is who I am. Or I was invited to to present um, or I'm putting myself out there into another job because I think I have what it takes. I don't really know, but I'm going to give that a try because I know who I am and I know I can learn and adapt. Be honest with yourself about who you are. And if you can accept that, I think that's going to go a long ways because then people are going to see who you really are and if you really do have those capabilities. And that that is a bit of a risk, but that's exactly, again, we're talking about taking a risk that is going to feel uncomfortable. The only person that can be who you are is you, you know, right? I was thinking as you're saying that about the movie Goodwill Hunting, because um, one of the comments that that is made, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's it's an awesome movie from a really long time ago. Nathan. Yeah, but it's the best therapy movie ever. And that's why this matters right now. Um, but and if you haven't seen it, honestly, it is worth it. But there's a lot of this kind of imposter thing going on in the movie. Um, and I'm not going to go into the whole depth of it. But essentially, the reason why the main character connects to the therapist is because the therapist is just super authentic. I mean, like really authentic of who they are. And this this client is like realizing they can't really tear the person tear the person down because what they're choosing to do is rather than tear the professional down, they're having to tear the person down. And that becomes part of the show as part of the movie is that realization of like, oh, like, like this is this is real. Like, yes, it is real. And therefore, it's not an imposter. You know, so you you are the only one that can be you. And and really what we're talking about is just simply accepting it, accepting where you're at, you know, and then just communicating that acceptance, you know, like that. And that goes, as we talked about in the last episode, both ways, both in the time of saying what you can do and also accepting what you really can't. You know, and you might even speak to like in the can't part, you might, you know, the person might think, well, you should be able to do this or whatever, because they've noticed something else in your resume or whatever. And you might say like, um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of fake my way through that, to be honest. Like, I could see why you're saying that. Like, um, I feel like I'm probably not as competent as I want to be in that area, which is probably you're seeing that some stuff that I could do. Um, and just being honest like that helps the employer to go like, oh, okay. So you have a growth edge there, but also though, you're willing to admit that that's easy to teach through. If that employer wants to do that, they also might say like, okay, I guess I misunderstood that. 
this isn't really where we need to go. And that's fine because you were just where you were at. And that's not going to be weird six months from now as the employer is going like, what the crap just happened? I thought you were X, Y, Z and you're not. And you're not having to have all the anxiety of all the things that you have to fake. You know, you've seen many episodes of shows of like, you know, our, in our culture that are like you get yourself into a situation and then you're having to lie your way through the entire thing indefinitely. And it's really anxiety provoking. So I don't know why you'd want to do that. But those shows frustrate me. Yeah. What was that movie um, that had Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks where he was uh, pretending to be Frank Abagnale? He was like, yeah, this like teenager, I, it'll come to me at some point, who was bouncing around from job to job, like uh, writing fake checks. Anyway, it's like that. I mean, that's massive imposter syndrome. If, if you want to, I guess, learn more about that, it's a really good movie, if I think of the title. Um, anyway, let's circle back around to the other side of that imposter syndrome coin. One side is the perfectionism, wanting to do everything perfectly and then getting stuck. The other one is procrastinating, where you think everything has to be amazing and perfect. And when I look at the mountain ahead of me, I'm like, nope, I just don't. I'm just going to put it off. I'll do it later. I'll do it on, you know, next week or whatever. And you can keep procrastinating because you have this idea, this imposter idea of I have to be this or I have to do all this stuff in order to be good enough. And ultimately, that stuff is not realistic. Right. We avoid doing those things, procrastinating because I'm going to make a mistake. It's not going to be perfect. And so in that sense, we can also get stuck. Something that I will say to people oftentimes, I actually really enjoy understanding fears. Um, I don't like having fears because uh, it's obviously scary. It's uncomfortable. But I like breaking down fears. I like I've kind of made it a habit of my life to investigate fears because I like knowing what is it that I'm so afraid of. And oftentimes it's really just my idea of the fear that's the worst thing. And so what I'll do is I'll say um, for somebody who's, you know, looking at perfectionism or procrastination, what is it you're so afraid is going to happen? And they'll say, well, I'm afraid if I do this or if I don't do this, then that will happen. And I'm like, okay, so if that were to happen, like, why is that such a big deal? Uh, well, if that happened, then, you know, this would happen. Okay, yeah. And like, why is why does that mean anything to you? Well, this happened. Well, then I'd feel blank. Okay, and if you felt that way, like, why is that so bad? Well, that's really uncomfortable. It's like, okay, can you tolerate that? Well, yeah, but it would just be really uncomfortable. Okay. See, the silence is like, that's all it is. It just would be uncomfortable. Now I can say, well, can you tolerate the discomfort? Well, yeah, but I don't want to, or... Oh, yeah, I guess that's all it really is. When you break that big mountain down into something that is like, uh, there's some irrationality into that. But it's also like, actually, I think I can manage that. Or, well, actually, if I do something about it, that would actually deal with the issue. It actually exposes what's really going on and gives you much more power or control over it to be able to manage it better. It might still be uncomfortable, but at least you have, you now know what it's going to take from you in order to get through that. And so that fear gets broken down. Yeah. I think, um, a big aspect of this is judgment. I had a friend who, well, he's still a friend, <laughs> but like he would, when we were, we were roommates years and years ago and he would not clean his room. And I specifically did not room with him because I knew like, cause there's four of us in two rooms and I knew like, this is not, I can't put up with that. Not even me, Aaron. Um, <laughs> so I was like, uh, uh, but what he would do is all of a sudden he would have this cleaning day and it would be like 
immaculate. Everything would be exactly where it needed to be. And uh, because he was a procrastinator, and so he knew what perfection in his mind looked like was absolute, total perfection. So he wouldn't do anything because he knew what that looked like to him. And it was a lot of work, quite frankly, when he would go to do it. But it, it starts to get me to think, you know, who was judging him? Where was that judgment? His judgment of perfectionism, what is it? Because that's going to be that's going to be different. So you don't get started because what? Somebody's going to say, judge you some way. Maybe it's your own self. Maybe it's from a long time ago, just what you were told had to be a certain way. So now you have that in your mind of, oh, this has to be this much complete or else it's not perfect. And therefore I can't do it. Or maybe it's outside things like with the par podcast idea, the idea of like, um, people are going to be like, that's not a podcast. Like this is just people talking like the, this is, you know, and actually that's exactly what that is. But, like, but going like, well, it's not good enough or whatever. Like some external judge is going to, is going to say, this sucks. You failed and no one listens to you ever or something like that. And we can even jump in, you know, and if I can jump in, I would just would add that I can look at that and say little things like, oh, we needed, I mean, we recently um, improved our little intro. We shuffled some things around because it just made more sense. Or we've improved our formatting of how we organize our episodes. Those little things can be improvements, but they don't necessarily mean that, oh, you didn't even really have a podcast. You were garbage before, but now that you have the outline, now it's good. No, it might just be like, yeah, you guys are great, easy to listen to, got some good content. I think it could be organized a little bit better, or this could be improved or whatever. That doesn't mean it was an, a bad idea or the whole baby should get thrown out with the bathwater. Right. So for those of you who are not doing some things right now because you're waiting, because you'd be like an imposter to do it, like other people do that and you don't, I would just challenge you to say, that's not true. I mean, those other people were where you were. They weren't like born into this thing. They just, for whatever reason, didn't feel like an imposter to do it in their situation. And so they're doing it. And what we're sharing is like, we did feel like an imposter for the podcast thing. And if you out there are thinking about that, um, just go ahead and do it. It's just talking. Yeah. If you go back and listen to some of our interviews with some of the, the folks that we had on our show, that's exactly what we wanted to see is like, how did you get to where you are now? And where did you start out? I and mean, everybody has a story. Like you said, nobody was born into it. Usually it's like something needed to happen or I took a step and I realized I really enjoyed this. And so I just started walking and taking those steps. It had to start somewhere. Everybody was always where you were at. And they, if they wanted to keep going and move in a different direction, they did. They just took steps. And that's all we're really saying with imposter syndrome is just accept that you're in this role, accept that you are where you are for a good reason. You have your own skills and abilities and take the step of just doing something. Don't, don't let it be perfect. You know, like Nathan is saying, you can run it by some other people to say, hey, is this good enough? Should I, should I release this or do I, do I need to make some improvements before I actually present it? And then... Let it be what it's going to be. Okay, so I want to do a little bit of self-promotion, but not because it's really about me, but we've put a lot of effort into our email course on our website that's free, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course. You can sign up and you'll get weekly emails to help you deal with things like imposter syndrome, insecurity, fears, those kinds of things. One of the things that we talk about is having um, an accurate view of yourself. A lot of times we judge ourselves really harshly internally 
And it's just not it's just not fully true. We look at all of our flaws that other people don't usually see. They view us much more accurately and objectively. So instead of saying, oh, I'm only this, you can actually um, ask other people around you for how they see you. You know, what are your skills? If I were to ask Nathan, hey, tell me a little bit about myself. What am I good at? Maybe even, you know, some of my drawbacks. I probably already know some of my weaknesses or my, my shortcomings. And when you say those skills, I'm probably like, yeah, that's true. But I didn't realize how valuable they are when you when you say them, because I've kind of discounted them or I've I've minimized them to myself. But it's important that you take in that feedback so that you view yourself not just from your own version of yourself, but also this accurate view of how everybody else views you, because you're probably much more positive and much more competent than you think you are in everybody else's eyes. Yeah, I think of the idea of letters of recommendation when you say that. And, um, you know, people will, will for, some, for some places of employment, you need to have those up front. Um, and even for some schools and colleges and that kind of thing. And so what about, why don't you pick a friend that you think would be honest with you and just say, could you just maybe um, give me feedback on one or two things that you think you, that you would recommend if you were to like try to stand in front of somebody and recommend me to someone as far as an employer boss or whatever, what would you say in all honesty? And then just try to accept that. Now, the reality is if you have ever written a letter of recommendation, you may be going in your mind like, well, yeah, but those are just positive. That person has to say that they're just being nice. Cause that's why I asked them. I asked them because they would be the nice person about me. Okay. They probably are being nice, but if you've written a letter of recommendation, did you lie? I mean, did you outright be like, they can do this knowing full well, like they really can't do that. I mean, that's not what happened. So getting that feedback is able to go, okay, you know, this is, this is actually okay. This is a thing. I think of like, different areas over the course of the current employment that you've had that you've gotten some feedback of something that you were able to do and you know like using this example like it's just part of the job right in the same way that like um us parents are you're not going to praise a kid for taking out the garbage you know because garbage has to get taken out like well maybe maybe for them it's new to them and so you're you're mentioning like oh thanks for fulfilling your responsibility or whatever but i have a situation in my own therapy life where I, i remember back to this person going I can't remember. I don't remember the context, but I, I said something or whatever. And she goes, well, that is not just a sheet of paper on the wall, is it? Because for for her in that moment, she experienced that moment as therapeutic. So she was like, oh, this is actual therapy. And that was that was affirming to me, too, because I was like, oh, yeah, like I am. (laughs) I am doing this. But it's those moments to be able to kind of reflect back on and go, where have I succeeded and done done what I what I've said that I'm capable of? And that's what we're talking about is maybe examining that a little bit and then accepting it for what it is. So as we close up the show, I guess I just want to remind you, as I remind pretty much everybody that talks about imposter syndrome, is you're afraid that you are not who you are and you're afraid that you're not valuable enough or not good enough. And that's just not true. At its very core, every person that comes in has gifts and abilities and, and skills in some area of life or some job or whatever. But ultimately, you are you. You know, like you said earlier, nobody can be you. Nobody can really truly be an imposter you. So I want to just encourage you to be yourself and to see that you are good, you are worthy. Because ultimately underneath that, I think it's really getting to that thing of like belonging and acceptance for yourself. 
and I know that seems really like, you know, cheesy and therapeutic of me to say, but, but it's true. And I think you need people to remind you of that when you're stepping out into something that's unfamiliar and foreign so that you can take that confidence and that security of the people who really do know you into that situation and say, yeah, I I can do this. It may be challenging. I may have to learn some things. I may make some mistakes, but I can fall back on knowing who I really am. Yeah. We just, we just want to thank you so much for listening to this episode today. Oh, should I say like, um, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. We hope you have a um, wonderful day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.